Welcome to another episode of Green and Gritty. We are four master's students trying to make environmental education a little more accessible. We are so excited that you joined us today in our little corner of the internet. So stick around. This is going to be a fun episode. family we are back we took some much needed time for ourselves and for our personal research endeavors but we miss doing this too much to be gone any longer we're gonna get right into the shit today because there has been a lot happening lately regarding climate change um, with the consistent rainy weather daily tornado warnings in the gta um, the wildfires on the west coast and oh the ocean being on fire um (laughs) Yeah, I know you all heard about that. Well, I hope, because we're still pretty stunned and disappointed, but definitely not shocked about that. So if you didn't hear, there was an enormous gas leak in the Gulf of Mexico at the beginning of July. Honestly, reading articles about it and seeing the photos kind of felt like something straight out of a doomsday horror movie. Um, There was literally a pit of fire in the ocean. Um, And this happened because... Like I said, there was a big, big gas leak in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, So Pemex is the company who owns and operates this specific underwater pipeline. And they claimed that there was a lightning storm that had ignited a gas leak from the underwater pipeline. And they blamed the leak on, you know, aging and poorly maintained infrastructure of the pipeline. Um, But they also claimed that there was no oil spill and that they avoided any environmental damage because of the quote-unquote immediate action taken to control the surface fire which seems very hard to believe um, in our opinion and i don't think we're alone in believing this Uh, climate activists and campaigners including greenpeace mexico have demanded an investigation into the actual impacts of the fire which is good we need investigations we need answers because how does this happen Um, (laughs) Greenpeace Mexico also accused Pemex of causing quote-unquote ecocide in the Gulf of Mexico because the amount of toxic um, properties and methane gas that was likely released freely into the ocean would 100% cause so many poisonous chemicals and gases to just seep into the aquatic food chains and harm so much marine life. Um, We also don't know how long this pipeline was leaking for before it caught fire, which is even more problematic for marine life. And what's even worse is that Pemex probably won't even be held accountable for this because of the lack of regulatory enforcement in this area and other policy loopholes that oil giants like Pemex always seem to find. We will get more into the impacts of leaks and oil spills in the next couple of minutes, but it is so important to keep talking about these incidents and keep bringing them to light and keep demanding investigations because they are not isolated incidents. These are repeated reminders of why the oil and gas industry needs to be more strongly regulated or shut down completely. If this leaked gas didn't catch fire, no one would have heard about it and it would still be polluting our waters. That's such a good point. Like it had to take something so drastic before people were aware that there was a leak in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like like what you just said, how Mm -hmm. long would the leak have continued? Right. How long had it been going on for? That's exactly the biggest problem. It's so scary. It's so scary. Yeah, literally. People people say, like, I'm scared of the ocean because of we don't know how big fish are there. Like, I'm scared of the ocean because I don't know how much gas is leaked into it. <laughs> exactly. <Fox>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Thank you so much for that awesome intro, Taylor. That really set us up. I'm, like, riled. I'm ready to go, ready to talk about this. <laughs> so I'm sure many of us thought upon seeing the images of the ocean on fire, like, damn, that, that can't be good. Um, but... My biggest thought was like, okay, well, what happens after the media stops covering the spill? Um, And it becomes just another environmental, out of sight, out of mind catastrophe that we forgot happened. And we look back and it's another list of example of, oh my God, wasn't 2021 fucked? The ocean caught fire. Ha ha ha. It's a meme. You know, like what, what, what happens? And I often find myself wondering like what happens to the environment and the species that reside there once something like this occurs so based on the latest example in the news and for time's sakes i'm going to provide a brief breakdown on what are some of the environmental impacts of oil spills in aquatic environments because i'm sure everyone knows aquatic and terrestrial processes are different but for today we're just going to look at aquatic oil spills so the amount of global oil spills that occur annually is actually quite shocking. There are thousands of individual oil spills that occur in the U.S. waters alone each year. And sources and citations are in our bios and website. 
but most of these spills are actually considered small scale um, and these include oil spills that can happen while refueling ships or whatnot like those small leaks that you know still accumulate but even small spills such as these can cause extensive damage in sensitive or fragile environments like beaches mangroves and wetlands so large oil spills which are the ones that tend to make the news or the ones that we only hear about um are considered major dangerous disasters and these happen when pipelines break big oil tanker ships sink um, or when drilling operations go wrong or apparently when you know things just aren't checked up or maintained and there's been a leak for who knows how long um so consequences to ecosystems and economies can be felt for decades following a large oil spill um which we'll talk about later in other segments but the first thing to really understand is how quickly an aquatic oil spill can spread. So as is like the, I guess, character, like what is it, defining characteristic of water is there's currents and tides. These currents and tides can spread oil much further than people may expect. So I don't know if you all did like the density test in grade school where you would put different liquids um, in water to see their density and if they would float on top, if they'd sink to the bottom and you could see the different like types of liquids and their density. Um, well, oil spreads on top of water. It doesn't mix. Therefore, when an oil spill occurs, it rests on top of the water and can be spread further with every wave or motion of the ocean. Therefore, the impacts of these spills can be extremely far-reaching and much farther than people may initially believe. So this is potentially maybe a good aspect of these spills because when a pipe bursts underwater, the oil will actually rise to the top and settle. So maybe that could be considered a slight blessing because it could be easier to clean rather than if everything mixed in together. Um, and unlike in terrestrial environments where a spill occurs, that oil gets in every nook and cranny that it can find. And that does make it very difficult to clean up. But with these aquatic spills, you have to act right away to make sure you catch or find everything before it, you know, pushes itself to reach a coastline and whatnot. So it does take a lot of sound science to be able to clean up these spills and measure the impacts of pollution and to try and really help the ocean recover. Thanks, Kendra. That was actually uh, really powerful. I know my section kind of relates back to yours a lot, um, but I thought what you said was like impactful and kind of leads the way really well into what I'm going to talk about today. So movies sometimes try to show these immediate impacts that you were kind of talking about. Uh, you know, Deepwater Horizon spill of 2010 was a, a very popular movie at the time um, because it demonstrated how the, the impacts of this spill, which was over 200 million gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. But really, what does this mean for climate change and global warming? I think we all generally know it's bad and you know it damages certain people and we just don't really understand how fully I think even myself and oil in general we know is a pressing environmental issue just using it because it's the basics of contributing to climate change oil drilling causes some of the highest levels of oil pollution and 41% of the United States CO2 emissions actually come from using fossil fuels drilling burning and using fossil fuels so this is not even just including the detrimental effects of a spill. You know, climate scientists still propose that one third of oil reserves cannot be burned and all of Arctic oil and gas have to be protected and unused to avoid any global warming changes and temperature changes moving forward, which is not very promising. I think um, when I read those numbers, I was a little bit concerned mm -hmm. You know, that's a huge goal that I don't think we're abiding by or even really know that we have to stick to. And, you know, like I mentioned, drilling the oil itself is already detrimental. This is why you see a large uproar when when people when when new pipelines are proposed, because we're destroying habitats, we're destroying wildlife and land protection. Right. So mm -hmm. we, we see these green spaces that have, you know, you know, there's oil underneath and then we have to absolutely destroy them in order to access that. So when oil spills occur, as Kendra noted, marine ec ecosystems just get absolutely demolished. So the, the, going back to that example of Deepwater Horizon, it's useful in demonstrating this. The spill was reported to have killed over 1 million seabirds, 5,000 marine mammals, including seals, whales, etc., and 1,000 sea turtles. And this was stretching over 68,000 square miles or 180,000 square kilometers, if that's what you're used to. 
So wildlife suffer through the contacting of the oil directly. They can suffer through inhalation or ingestion of the toxic chemicals. So there's a few ways they can get impacted or all three even, which is even worse because, you know, there's a lot of layers to how the oil works. Just like Kendra said, like it's kind of a complex thing that um, is very harmful. So Mm. oil spills are a different discussion altogether regarding global warming and climate change, which is why I didn't touch on it too much. Because unlike uh, emissions, which may affect us in, you know, 10 to 50 years, oil spills do immediate and hard-hitting damage, and that's what we need to focus on and tend to focus on. And like Kendra also mentioned earlier, oil spills happen about every day (laughs) to a large extent, and we don't hear about all of them, and we don't know about all of them. So going back to the original point, how do how does this oil hurt and kill animals? We know there's a few ways, but there are actually two categories of the harm that it um, causes to ocean life. So the first one is called fouling or oiling, and the second one is called oil toxicity. So fouling or oiling occurs when oil physically harms a plant or animal. So oil can coat a bird's wings and leave it unable to fly. It can take off the waterproofing that feathers provide or strip away the insulating properties of a sea otter's fur, putting it at a risk of hypothermia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and oftentimes we see images, like when an oil spill happens, Mm -hmm. we see pictures or videos of extremely distressed birds covered in oil in the media. And I'm sure we've also seen all of those like dish soap commercials saying how their soap is like so tough on grease they can help clean birds up post oil spill. I mean... Needless to say, like, okay, but what about the palm oil that your dish soap is using? But anyways, um, it's really not so easy because attempts to remove the oil uh, through preening can actually cause these birds to swallow oil, which causes severe organ damage. Um, Migratory patterns and nesting grounds can then also be contaminated by these oil spills as the spill moves and washes ashore, which in turn can then have disastrous impacts on natural life cycles of many bird species. And actually, York University shout out to Associate Professor Gail Frazier, who was quoted in an article that I was using to find research for stats for this um saying that seabird mortality is an, like is a concern because of their life history traits so um seabirds have delayed reproduction and some species don't start breeding until they're three or four sometimes even eight or nine years of age and have really low reproductive rates so damaging these breeding grounds because they have such long um life cycles or breeding cycles it can really devastate populations and it even uh devastate adult mortality so and um, uh, Taylor, I'm so sorry. I know you love whales as much as I do, so this next one is going to be really rough. But oil can also clog the blowholes of mm. cetaceans, such as dolphins and whales, affecting their ability to breathe, but also disrupting their communication through echolocation, which can be devastating to their survival. Mm. Wow. It's awful. That's so sad, man. I just couldn't believe... I freaking hate yeah. human behavior. Yeah, and oh I can't believe God. the layers <laughs> to the effects. I think that's what's the most shocking to yeah. me. It's like like going into this even it's like way deeper than exactly. the surface shows and it's like oh, exactly. oh okay like you know it's coating the fur of a bird no it's not just that it's like kendra saying it's there's so many layers to it i think that's what's the most upsetting yeah. and it's like when people think oh they hear an oil spill on the news they just go oh someone will clean it up it's fine it won't happen again mm-hmm. and then out of sight out of mind it's like exactly. you said no one thinks about what actually the repercussions are deep down and how long they go on for it, and how they they could span generations I think for these like animals. It's like the term like clean it up. Like you think like clean <laughs> yeah. it up, like it's it's all like the mess. Yeah, gone. like a spilled like, milk. You no. clean up a sp- exactly. Like you clean up milk in your kitchen, right. or whatever. Then it's like nothing else is like ruined from it. But I don't think because we don't have like a live stream of the ocean, you yeah, know, following exactly. this mass attack on them. Really, like seeing mm-hmm. how they are trying to like recoup their habitats and like rebuild their homes. You know, mm-hmm. we don't see like what's actually going on below the surface. And it's, exactly. it's pretty this might be a little <laughs> off topic, but it's hard seeing what happens in the ocean um, compared to like 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 oil spills in the ocean compared to like wildfires. Mm-hmm. You know, you can actually see and people have actual coverage of how the wildfires are damaging all the trees and damaging the land and damaging homes and displacing people. But with the ocean, you don't see any of that because no one monitors underwater. No one monitors the animals mm-hmm. in, 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 mm-hmm. in the ocean. So it's it's harder to, to I don't know, keep track of those and, and actually put 
I'm losing my train of thought here, but it's hard yeah, to know. I, I see so, what you mean, though. You know what? Like, it's, it's hard directly. to actually see the impacts of totally them. and long term, right? Because it's like exactly what you're saying. There's no news update today. This is what the ocean looks like mm-hmm. because of this oil spill. Today's what it looks and like, and a lot of people won't go into depth about researching the actual impacts of totally, it. Totally, yeah. Worse because yeah, that's what they need to do. But I also think like just seeing a wildfire like unfold on TV, you kind of form like this emotional attachment to like what's happening, and you don't get that with the same like ocean fire if you will um because like you don't know what's going on under the surface like as we all just said like we don't have we just see like oh that sucks fish die but i don't really like seeing fish when i swim you know you're like i don't you know what i mean so it's like all this like you don't have that deep relationship unless you're a big ocean mm-hmm. advocate you know i was that's such a good point that you brought up and i wonder if there's something about like how the images evoke emotional responses like when people see like wildfires they're so aggressive and terrifying that people in turn understand the severity because they look so Mm -hmm. threatening because they are right Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ocean fire, we're all like, water's not supposed to be on fire. That's terrifying. Um, but I feel like with an oil spill, maybe some of the images can evoke that same, but I like feeling of terror. But I wonder if because it's not as like raging or yes. maybe it is for some people. But for me, when I see an oil spill versus a wildfire, the emotions that are evoked from like those images, one is a lot more scared than the other. And so I right. acknowledge the severity differently, maybe. I wonder if that's an issue. Or if that's a I thing. feel like Anyways. it's more like sad emotions and like disappointment yeah. when it's the ocean and when it spills like that happening underwater versus like mm-hmm. you said the wildfires are just like holy shit another one that's going on yeah yeah sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off Danielle but I know oh, uh, no. that's have... totally true like I feel the same way and like even when you're trying to brainstorm ways that like how can we make people like understand that like it's a good thing to think about why we don't even think that way to begin with and I I think it's mm-hmm. also true to the fact that like I don't know, like, it sounds terrible, but, like, people, like, you know, we have connections to people, we are people, we are humans, and seeing, Mm -hmm. like, us in immediate danger is a lot more terrifying than, you know, middle of the ocean, we don't have an emotional connection, at least most people don't, I think, unless you're a huge animal lover, to the animals that live there, so um, I think that's the other issue. But mm-hmm. um, I, I'm going to bring us down even more right now, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so we know about fouling and oiling, how I just said, and how it like directly coats the wings. Like Kendra said, the soap commercials kind of laid out pretty clean for us about how that works. <laughs> but this one was relatively new. Like I always kind of understood it, but the oil toxicity and the internal damage caused. So like mm-hmm. there's obviously a chemical and toxic ma- makeup to oil, right? Like, and um, it can even affect us. You know, we can ingest it to be on our skin isn't good. And it can actually cause heart issues, growth stunts, immune system issues, and has the power to kill in large amounts. So um, Deepwater Horizon was kind of the oil spill that opened our eyes to it all. We kind of always knew, but it really affected a lot of people and animals with the toxicity aspect and not just the coating of wings, like with the fouling aspect. And we hadn't seen an impact like that so large with the toxicity before. And it was like, whoa, like, what are the long-term effects to our health here and the animal's health? And um, it was just a really like scary moment for that. And um, the problem is the work to recover these animals, humans in the oceans and the lands affected after the damage is nearly impossible. Like it takes mm-hmm. so much work to just clean up the mess. Um, never mind the rehabilitation process, cleaning of the wildlife. Um, and the problem is back to the whales is that like like whales affected like they're saying it's one of the most difficult species to recuperate because of their sheer size and patterns of movement it's very hard to like offer them help and clean them up opposed to Mm -hmm. the birds that we speak of so there could be whales that just never receive help and um other large animals that are affected that just don't and not to sorry to interrupt again but not to mention that a lot of those wildlife rehabilitation sites that would be responsible for taking in and have the training to be able to help these species, these creatures, they're largely run by volunteers and are severely right. underfunded. So when some when a crisis like this occurs, um, they're flooded with um, you know a surplus of patients and not a lot of resources. 
um, to be able to help them. And totally. Yeah. So that's another thing too is when it comes to like a whale. I mean, you can't you can't really put that in a vet's lab. Like you need special equipment to be able to help totally. these creatures. And these people are, are again, like you said, working non for profit. That mm-hmm. they also have to make a living and like have their life and try to participate in this. I just think that's crazy how um, people have to do it on their own. You know, it's, I mean, it's a great representation of the human spirit of people who care about things, but it's also disappointing (laughs) about the funding. Um, Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go one more in about terrible news and then I promise (laughs) I'm going to stop being negative. (laughs) Um, Just one more final question. (laughs) So another problem is the oil that sits atop the water. Okay, so it blocks sunlight into the ocean, right? It creates this coating and it affects all the animals living in the ocean who needs that, that sunlight, who needs the ability to float because it actually affects their ability to float when it sits on top of the water. And it also has been shown that oil affects scent changes, which we could imagine is very strongly scented, leaving baby animals to die because mothers can't find them, their family can't find them because they rely so heavily on scent. And when animals attempt to clean the oil off their bodies, they end up ingesting the oil and also dying because of the toxicity effects. That's so sad. Terrible. And then I know this is unrelated to animals, but the economy also gets severely impacted for those who only care about economy. Um, economy. Just so you know, the oil spills would actually affect your interest too (laughs) because, um, (laughs) you know, it, it kind of screws up the whole supply chain um never mind humans who lose their own lives like Kendra said either Mm -hmm. helping to the process or fishermen or people living across the coast who also get sick because of these and they lose their jobs lose their lives and right now um as I mentioned before they haven't created any direct links to an immediate oil spill to the advancing of climate change or worsening of climate change but they do feel like there are explicit links to speeding up that process and the effects on land, animal, and water all play a role in the worsening of climate change itself. Mm -hmm. So um, the reason they haven't looked too much in it is because they feel like the the links are already present in terms of the immediate damage. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to say, like, even if there's not links on paper, they're there. They've got to be. Totally, because... Like, they're so obvious. Yeah, because if you think about it, like one of the biggest things to help combat climate change is carbon sequestration in the in our in the oceans, right? But if you have fouling where you have oil coating these aquatic plants, their ability to act as a carbon sink is significantly diminished. So, like, boom, there you go. Yeah, it's not on paper yet, but we can connect the dots. Yeah, and you know, I'll put it on paper if that's what people need. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. I'm sure it's on paper somewhere. That one. Yeah, it's like on a draft on a desk. I think these links have been made. It's more just like general. Like you can find extensive research on how drilling for oil contributes to climate change right or burning oil so they need uh i think the literature is missing like a general link um but the other thing that they're actually trying to think about how they can include in the scholarship on this is how the ocean fires affect because think about these ocean fires how more often they're happening happening and how large they are how does the smoke affect the air and emissions? Like, how, how is this happening? Like, what's happening to the air there? Like, what's, what are the effects of just that fire? Never mind the oil and how the animals and humans it's affecting. What are the actual effects of that fire? So these, these are some newer links that they're having to consider with the rapid increase of ocean fires. So um, basically, my big negative spiel today on this podcast is that oil spills are so deadly they kill everything, kill everyone. They're terrible. And with habitats destroyed, lives lost, and everlasting effects, um, it just, it's, it's just disappointing. And like Kendra said, we have more and more spills, worse than spills happening. So it just kind of makes me a little bit concerned for the future of our oceans and our wildlife. And like I said, I'm, I'm interested in, in these new links that are going to be made. Like, are we going to hear more disappointing news? Like, I don't know. The scholarship is growing because of the worsening of it. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see. Mm-hmm. 
I like what you said about also like with the smoke and air emissions and pollution potentially or air emissions anyways air pollution (laughs) and like the impacts of that because even in my readings to look a little bit more on the environmental impacts even just from aquatic spills without the fire it there was a few citations or sources saying that like it does contribute to air pollution because particles can get spread around and evaporated or condensed or moved and whatever and breathed in so it's it's there you go like even without the fire it's like Mm -hmm. it's deadly um and even in the air so i don't know if that made sense but okay so going back to marine ecosystems so um a lot of these ecosystems rely on complicated and delicate relationships between organisms and their environment and these relationships as I'm sure you've picked up on by now, can be absolutely devastated by oil spills. So actually going back to oil toxicity, food sources contaminated by oil can destabilize entire food chains. So to emphasize this, um, one could be impacted by direct contact with the environment polluted by a spill. Um, For example, like drinking the polluted water or breathing polluted dust particles. Um, so you're not safe from dust. Dust is deadly. Additionally, um, trophic levels and consumption of polluted food also needs to be considered. So when we talk about trophic levels and contaminants, um, basically starting at any level within the food chain, there is an increase or higher risk for food pollution as the, as you get higher in the food chain, if that makes sense. So for example, like Fish eat maybe infected smaller species, but because they're smaller species themselves, they don't eat as much quantity of the pollutants. Whereas as you go higher up the food chain, bigger species eat more of these already contaminated species and therefore their food pollution intake is much higher than at the smaller level. So these pollutants actually increase as you go higher up the food chain, which is something to also be considered. And additionally for humans, contamination of local ecosystems can impact the communities who rely on these ecosystems to survive. So some of this next stuff is a lot of terrestrial oil spills. I know we said we were going to focus on marine. However, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that oil spills in aquatic environments do not stay still. They move, they get moved around. Water is the veins of this planet and it gets everywhere. So it's needless to say that there are quite a few connections. Um, So for example, um, crops and food can become poisoned or contaminated, which can lead to them being dis- like just disappearing or um, fall- like becoming devastated and ill and uh, dying, um, which can destabilize uh, food chains for that entire commu- like, uh, community that relies on those crops or food sources. Uh, fishing people can lose their source of income while they wait for either spills to be cleared or they can lose their income and industry permanently should environments be completely devastated and fish populations are not able to regenerate. Um, another devastating impact for local communities is the impact that it can have on their access to clean drinking water. So I know they start in the ocean, but who how, like it, it moves. Who knows? Um, if it gets into your clean drinking water, um, then there you go. Food chain, pollutants, it's in your body now. Like, how are we going to get rid of that? I don't know. And then in 2013, um, oil spills interrupted the supply of water for 300,000 people in Miri, Malaysia, and 80,000 people in Coca, Ecuador. So it's already happening, and it's happening in devastating numbers. And I just don't know who's That's being That's almost half a million that. people in just two mm-hmm. areas. Yeah. 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 That's not okay, man. That's No. Oh, and it's going to get worse. Um yeah. so this isn't an aquatic example, but um in 2019 there was a study done in Nigeria and which is Africa's most populous country and the largest oil producer, and the study discovered that communities residing in nearby oil spills have an increased neonatal mortality rate by 38.3% per 1000 live births. Wow. So it's wow. oil in general, not meant to be in our bodies. Well, except for olive oil, but you know, <laughs> Extra this virgin. is not the oil we're talking about. <laughs> um, that's not what we're talking about here. So it can be assumed that um, as aquatic spills spread and they reach coastline environments and communities, studies need to be done to see if these types of impacts are also found um, within these communities as well. Um, so I provided a link to the study. I don't know if any of our listeners, if you know more about this, um, 
about neonatal conditions of communities who live where um, oil, like aquatic oil spills have happened, um, or even drinking water, like has it been able to breach really that the sand barrier? Um, I'd be interested to know, and it's definitely a place we need to keep looking. So as depressing as that was, uh, is there anything that really shocked you folks or you guys didn't know before? Yeah, that last point, I think I knew generally, like you said, oil is very bad for people too and everything, but I didn't know those numbers and about um, the populations that it affects. I think it's just another clear example of environmental racism. And I think it's just, it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear for sure. But I think it's also eye-opening, Kendra, um, how we all, we talked about the many ways in which an oil spill affects things, right? People in many ways, animals, the oceans, uh, the mm-hmm. economy even. Um, and I think it, it kind of proves that like someone can find a way to care about it. Um, I think it's a niche thing to care about. And um, that might be a good thing um, in raising awareness, but still very hard to hear. Okay, so we know how bad oil spills are, and we know what their impacts are both onshore and offshore, but who cleans them up? Who is responsible for picking up the pieces, and do they actually do that? That's what we wanted to find out. So in both Canada and the U.S., it's typically the responsibility of the Coast Guard to respond to oil spills, um, and they get help from experts who provide scientific support um, in making decisions that protect people and the environment. Um, But the process is fairly similar in that both countries state that polluters must be held accountable and they must pay for the cleanup and restoration. But as we're seeing with the case of Pemex's leak in the Gulf of Mexico, that protocol is not usually followed. Further, cleanup activities can never remove 100% of the oil spilled, and sometimes the cleanup activities can cause far more damage than the oil alone, um, which says a lot considering what we just delved into before. Um, such as with the Exxon Valdez spill in 1989, where scientists found that the high-pressure hot water hoses they used to clean up the beaches were doing an insane amount of harm to marine ecosystems um, in an attempt just to clean up the oil. And while we're on the topic of oil spill damage and cleanups, let's talk about the financial hit that spills like the Exxon Valdez or the 2010 BP spill can take on countries. So to start, it costs about fifteen to sixteen thousand to clean up just one ton of heavy fuels and crude oil, and about thirty five hundred per ton of gasoline. But I want you guys to, okay. So without you know reading my notes ahead, I want you guys to guess how much you think it costs to clean up an oil spill. Because I when I was researching this, my jaw literally hit the floor. It's, I'm not gonna say because I talk about that too. <laughs> okay, wait. I haven't looked. Me you neither. said that it takes. $15 to 16000 to clean up one ton. 15000 to 16000 So at, at the very minimum, 15000 yeah. Okay, let, let me think about this in my head. Yeah, play the Jeopardy music. For one oil spill, is it the size of Exxon or and like even like a middle-tier oil spill? Um, I'm going to talk about both. The BP okay. one, I will tell you, is far bigger than Exxon. So... I was writing, I was doing calculations on my calculator. What if, okay, I'm going to say. <laughs> According to my calculations. <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> just under a billion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> do prices right? Because I didn't do any calculations in my head. I'm going to guess that it's 1.5 billion. See, I said okay, just so... under a billion. Okay, let's see. We're close. Those are pretty, like... You guys are very um, cost-effective here, but the 2010 BP oil spill costed a whopping $61.6 billion (laughs) I did not know that. With a B. Billion with a B. Doesn't make me gag. Is that not an absurd amount of money? I thought I was being ridiculous by saying just under a billion. I thought I was really giving myself credit. I know. Yeah, and You're like, I'll, I've got cushion room there. Yeah. No. Okay, wait, but how much money? Okay, the trade-offs. The risk is so high. $61.6 billion to clean it. How much money were they expecting how to make off feasible? this damn thing anyways? I don't get I, this. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know how companies can see this as, as a worthy think, investment yeah, anymore. If it's going to cost them this it. much to clean up one spill. Do they have insurance? How much does insurance cost? <laughs> That's I don't know. I'm an analyst. I know. I couldn't find anything about insurance for this because (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that's all very hush hush. Yeah. 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 Anyways, so $61.6 billion for the BP oil spill. Compare that to the Exxon Valdez spill costed only $3.8 billion. And I say only $3.8 billion because in comparison, it seems like chump change to the BP yeah. spill. Yet that is still a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and I'm, pff, anything over like $1,000 seems like a ridiculous amount of money to me. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> who pays for this shit? Who knows? Apparently, under the Oil Pollution Act of 1990, it states that those who are responsible for the spill are responsible to clean up and and for all the restoration costs. But it just doesn't seem like that happens often. I don't know. What do you discuss? I don't know. Okay. (sighs) Hold on. I'm like sweating and I'm nauseous. That number's too much. Okay. But... They, you said that they're responsible for cleanup and restoration costs. Does anyone, because I didn't do research in this section, does anyone know how they classify how far the restoration goes to? Like, is it just you have to clean up around the spill? Do they, Like, what is their impact assessment? Like, how far do they look? At, do you know what I mean? What's their scope? I do know what you mean. What's their scope? The, what's totally. their scope? Yeah, totally. No, I okay. totally, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean strictly removing what's at the like eyes length here yes. or all the like it's definitely no that's what it is it's the spill itself about. it's the immediate damage to you know yeah. the water or wherever it's spilled on land that's I where don't it get is how they don't this is legal but you it doesn't do... go deeper than what we've been it doesn't it doesn't go deeper than the surface it doesn't touch on any of the things that we have talked about i'm a little bit annoyed right now because i feel like these corporations like you hear all the time I think this is probably the worst. Just they're allowed to get away with everything, and I just don't like. Are we this stupid yeah. that we're allowing oil to dominate yes. us like this, or that we're allowing these companies to just have free reign? I, I just don't get it. Like you can get in trouble for loitering yeah. outside a store. You can go to jail for that, but these people <laughs> can dump oil. Like I, I just that's what I'm a little irritated. Because this goes back to everything we say in every single episode. It all comes down to the politics of it. Because the government's not going to regulate that hard because they make a lot of money off of the oil and gas investments. Mm -hmm. Right? So if they're going to penalize them really hard and put all these big polluters in in jail or in contempt or do whatever, they're going to lose money. Mm. It's not in their best interest to to penalize them. Oil is the modern day gold. Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But on all this note of how much it costs and doesn't it cost to keep this business alive, I guess. Wow, You've got your sultry better. voice on right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Talk finances to me, baby. Me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just, okay, so I, I'm going to dive into, like, a few things. When I was getting into my research for this topic, I was hoping for it not to be such a hush-hush vibe that I was getting but I luckily I did find some numbers that I still have that shock factor that I think still drive my point home that I think oil spills are becoming a new like um just cost of business and so hopefully I illustrate that and if not we can like discuss it later um but just to bring it I just want to start off with saying that in Canada, according to this group called Clear Seas, who is an independent research center, uh, they support safe and sustainable marine shipping in Canada, the polluter pays. So it doesn't matter where the oil pollution came from, the polluter or the ship owner, they are the ones who have to pay. So usually that's through mandatory liability insurance. And I mentioned Canada only because I want to bring this issue home. I hate the phrase normally if you think about an oil spill even though I've said it like two or three times now but you think about the Gulf of Mexico which is what the majority of our discussion has been or the BP oil spill which is what our discussion has been or even if you want to like put some positivity on this you think of Mark Wahlberg in his portrayal in Deepwater Horizon you know so oil spills still have a very real chance of occurring in Canada just differently than how we see them mm-hmm. in the Gulf of Mexico so in Canada, like liability is determined by the size of the tanker and how much oil it can carry. So, for example, a small ship that uh, can carry like 5,000 gross tons is 8.2 million Canadian dollars for liability. And a ship much larger than that, which can carry around like 140,000 gross tons, are required for 
at an insurance of 163.2 million Canadian dollars. So you can kind of see like the risk there and like how much oil um, you can transport. So yeah, these numbers reflect tanker insurance, not pipelines um, that will leak or combust in the ocean. But as we even see, like oil spills can happen in any area of the supply chain with the oil um, being like taken from the ground, supplied, transported between different ships. Like, so I just want to say like there's like liability to all these stages. And I just wanted to like indicate like the value of oil is like still a lot even in just these like s smaller scale like operations not like the actual like um i don't want to say like production but like the extraction of oil mm -hmm. so um there is an article by kimberly amadeo from july 2020 you can find it on the balance <laughs> that's where it is this article outlines the cost of the bp oil spill so just as taylor mentioned uh the bp oil spill went on for three months it resulted in the worst oil leakage disaster in the u.s so what does that equate to it's estimated that it was 184 million gallons that's almost 700 million liters um that's basically a shit ton of oil. Yeah. <laughs> and it um, doesn't matter if you want to talk about gallons or liters. It's it's too much. It's too much oil that's been leaked. So basically, it's a hell of a lot more money. There's a hell of a lot of money lost for BP, the fishing and tourism industries, the local community, and the ones who don't have any money but lots of skin in the game, the marine and related ecosystems in the Gulf of Mexico, which we have discussed at length in today's episode. So like, those are like the stakeholders who are really affected by the immediate damages from an oil spill. And even though that oil spill happened in 2010, the effects are still being felt today in 2021. So Amadeo laid out all these expenses nicely, um, which is why I really like this article because it kind of broke it down into like five sections and then to really talk about the key facts. So just like four things that I want to take away from this article is that in 2018, BP announced it would take a $1.7 billion charge for expenses related to the spill and then expect cash payments of $3 billion for the year. And then in, back in 2016 in July, BP had spent the $61.6 billion in court fees, penalties, and cleanup costs. And then further back in 2014, a federal judge ruled that BP was grossly negligent, of course, <laughs> and then fined a record $18 billion under the Clean Water Act. And then the court also ruled BP repeatedly cut corners to boost profits. No shit. Are we surprised by this? Not really. Are we happy to see that the court has exposed BP like this? Yes. So, um, like, and hopefully this kind of answers the questions we just had, like, how was that $61.6 broken down? And this is what my research found and how it was um, broken down. But um, back to the industries that oil spill affected, it was the Gulf of Mexico, like, fishing and tourism industries, which produced... 3.5 to 4 billion dollars per year and it cost in comparison bp 4 billion to contain and clean and another 4 to 5 billion in penalties so like it costs like double the amount to clean up this shit show than it would have just been able to just have the um industries just keep doing what they've been doing so and now the industries are just forever affected by this and then just to um bring it back also to the wildlife populations just for numbers the populations rapidly decreased which we talked about and we know in the reported health issues um i yes the whales and dolphins are very close to my heart <laughs> so i had to talk about this one fact um dolphins had lung disease that was proven to be directly linked to the exposure of oil and 20 percent of those who were sick were so sick they weren't expected to live and yes in case you were worried bp contested that study so what I'm trying to illustrate is that these oil spills cost a lot. They cost a lot of money to clean up, and they have a very long list of financial implications of the industries and communities they leave in their wake. And they cost so, lives. Yeah. Like, that's not fair, man. For what? Gas? Yes. Get you some goddamn oil? To run the world, I guess. Oh. <laughs> yeah, battery. Um, literally, run the world renewable energy battery. stat. Fix all these issues. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is a side, a tangent, in which case, Taylor, tell me to shut up and then we can, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> because one of the things that I was noticing is in some of the articles, they were like, and this demonstrates why we need to uh, divest from fossil fuels, divest from oil, and like look at renewable sources of energy, and namely electric vehicles to replace our um, current gas guzzlers. But the issue, I came across somebody else's like 
idea about that. And they were like, that's not the solution. I was like, what do you mean? I want my EV. How is that not the solution? (laughs) And then I realized that Mm -hmm. it's kind of like changing problems, which Mm -hmm. is like um, if everyone's consumption habits remain the same, but we all want electric vehicles, that there's still a lot of like, what is it called? Not fine minerals, but like unique or what's it called? Something minerals that are in to the Um, creation of those. And that they're still environmental hazards from extracting the yes, types like of cell materials that we would need exactly well, that's why totally. it's like you sh- if we do change a bunch of like how we go from like how we find these minerals then i think what is even being done like with cell phones like specifically the first example that comes to my head is apple but they when you bring back your old apple products they have a system where they can take out the minerals that are in the phones that are still um the quality they need to like create products instead of going to back to the mining so it's called i think it's called i want to say like urban mining because they're taking like what we bring to them instead Love of it. going to the actual that, like though. resource Sorry? Actually... no they do they have like their second or third generation robot that's like been doing it it's like it pretty really big cool. in the but yeah um, so to say uh, like that is one option and then also mm-hmm. public transportation please okay i was gonna say something about that because i was reading an article the other day about um like land use planning and i saw this photo of it was like a weirdly designed street where it only allowed for two parking spaces but if you had cut off those parking spaces you could get like 30 bike spots in there and i'm like that's almost what we need is better land use planning and i know danielle probably has something to say about this but that's also another solution to it. We could do 50 more episodes on each of these solutions, but anyways, yeah. We'll do a whole episode on land use planning for me and Taylor to go <laughs> <into that. laughs> Love it. Okay. Okay. Well, um, just to finish up, a good and short, concise resource you guys can check out. I linked it in the website with all our other sources. Is an article by Mark Cohen titled A Taxonomy of Oil Spill Costs. So um, Cohen examined the aftermath of the Deepwater Horizon, the BP oil spill, um, back in 2010. And basically, Cohen discusses the main areas of the cost, which are private, external, and social. So as well as stating that oil cleanup can range depending on the price of oil per gallon, which I thought was pretty interesting. So like private, which is like the companies, and then external, I believe was like um, any other like costs like surround but then social is like the actual communities who are affected and the marine life and all those systems that are affected by this spill so a quick example back in 2010 u.s cost uh were approximately 16 dollars per gallon in cleanup damages and then the current price of oil which was about eight dollars per barrel so about two dollars per gallon brought the cleanup cost to about 18 dollars per gallon and then in comparison the exxon uh, validus spill in 1989 cost 630 dollars per gallon so Cohen even says the total cost associated with the Pemex Extoc oil spill from 1979 was less than $7 per gallon. But that spill is still now in the top three worst oil spills. So, and I also just want to say, like, back in 1979, the spill was from Pemex, and then now in the Gulf of Mexico, and then now in June 2021, the Ocean Fire is also managed by Pemex in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's like kind of the same companies that are always having all these problems and not seeming to learn from the mistakes. And also you can see how much the cleanup is varying depending on the price of the uh, price of gas at that time. So it can really add up or it can cost nothing, like nothing as in like the overall cost of nothing in this industry. So as I said, I was hoping to find some big numbers on the Pemex spill from June. But here's the thing. Everything I find is quoting the same statement, which Taylor even touched upon, which is that it wasn't technically an oil spill. It was a gas leak and the fire resulted from an electric storm. So that's reducing my hope that any real acknowledgement from authorities confirming this was an incredible disaster um, that had an incredible impact on its surroundings is going to have like any hints of responsibility or just allow loopholes for what kind of who can pay for this like what kind of liability insurance is like going to be like because it wasn't technically an oil spill like you're kind of getting off scot-free you know so i'm a little nervous from what i've just from initial findings and i know this only happened about a month ago so it's still preliminary but just like 
in this discussion. But yeah, so even hints at this possibility of an oil spill is seen as a cost of doing business or just another line item in risk management planning. It's also being reported and almost proudly from the tone I'm picking up on, like every article I see is that Pemex is not worried about the impacts of the spill because they were able to repair the situation fairly quickly and had that same pipeline up and running that morning after it had been leaking for just over five hours. So the point I'm trying to make is pretty simple. Oil spills affect everyone on this planet, whether you're persuaded by the financial implications reflected by the business production, the cost of fixing equipment, the local communities, businesses, and industries being affected, or the habitats and marine life ruined, or even by the mere fact this oil spill was not covered in the news that heavily compared to the land wildfires that were happening out west. Oil spills cost money and the ripple effect is felt everywhere for long periods of time. Wow. Period. Period. That's mm-hmm. true. That's insane. Well said. And I really like that last point you, you made, Taylor. You did really good research on that. That was really well done. I know. I tried to, like, I really wanted to, like, find, like, some hard-hitting numbers, but I was pretty disappointed that it was a secret yeah, secret. Or it would just redirect me to, like, wildfires. So I did what I could, and hopefully, I mean, if Still the audience, if you guys are listening, you guys have things. <laughs> Do you guys have like any more like facts that you guys know that we didn't touch upon? Like, please let me know because I would love to just see the whole financial like. I, I literally had a grimace on my this. face the whole time you were talking, Taylor. Not because I, I love the sound <laughs> of your voice so much, but it's the oh, the, you. what you, the information <laughs> you're providing me. I was like pissed, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, that's insane. It's a lot. I know finances are hard to like, um, not hard, but sometimes they're tricky to like really visualize when you're listening to them being told. For me, it's easier to see it like uh, on a piece of paper or like an Excel sheet, whatever. So that's why I really try to just like say like these are like the main points to try and like illustrate what's going on. And um, this is just like what the trends are Mm -hmm. that I've found. So hopefully it just paints a little picture of not an ocean on fire. (laughs) But the world on fire. The <laughs> world's on fire. <laughs> Bring it back to episode two, three. <laughs> so everyone, there's the dirty on the nasty and impactful oil spills, which seem to be happening nonstop and seem to be getting worse each time, kind of how everyone painted a picture of in this episode. And like I said, although we know how bad they are generally, and as Kendra mentioned, hello Dawn commercials, painting this photo for us, <laughs> um, it still doesn't seem to be something that has much shock value to governments or people. They just keep happening. Agreements get broken and nothing really seems to change. And although this episode certainly did make me want to cry, <laughs> we hope it incites some urgency into everyone to see the mess that uh, corporations are making. Um, of this world and we're looking forward to following up with some new and improved options for energy that won't cause actual ocean fires but for now until then keep spreading awareness uh, our friends and show our governments the urgency of making changes now i don't think anyone wants to see our world now set in fire never mind the ocean and if there was anything we talked about today that sparked your interest or got your research juices flowing head over to our website and you can find the sources we each used in today's episode and as always thank you for joining us in our little corner of the internet you can find us on our instagram at green and gritty podcast or on our facebook at green and gritty we would love to hear from all of our incredibly brilliant listeners all right so this is green and gritty signing out bye, bye.